You are listening to This Morning. So, as I mentioned before, at 8.39, world trade growth slowing, but Asian economies on the way up. Danny Kwa, Professor of Economics at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, National University of Singapore, is on the line. Good morning to you. Yes, hello. Yes, I can hear you fine. I'm delighted that we've managed to connect with you. So, beginning with that question, can Asian economies prevail this year? I think it's it's always risky to make these kinds of predictions, but I think the historical record of Asian economies generally having a stronger economic performance um, is is a good one. Asia recovered, you know, Asia went through really tough times in the 1997 Asian financial crisis, South Korea probably more than anybody else. But South Korea recovered and all of Asia recovered and we, all of Asia uh, did particularly well, relatively speaking, over the 2008 global financial crisis. I think we've been able to build structures that are robust and sustainable. And I saw the. I think the prognosis is a good one. This doesn't mean that there won't be parts of Asia that are especially vulnerable to a Trump tantrum, for instance. Mm. But I think the prognosis is an optimistic and a good one. And South Korea... I think most people will expect to be one of the leaders in this sailing through of uh, an impending economic uh, crisis. It certainly sounds like good news, but the protectionism we've been talking about uh, no doubt ties in to a certain extent with rising populism. Is that likely to spread to this part of the world post-Brexit and Trump's election victory in the US? I think there is a danger. There is a danger in that... uh, most populations around the world seem to be becoming more suspicious and circumspect on what trade can do. For trade, globalization, protectionism, the kind of large issues that we're talking about, for most ordinary people, the people who are going to be voting, their concerns about this surround only three things, pretty much. Can trade create jobs? Can trade increase wages? Can trade lower prices? And the evidence that we have on this says that Asia generally, South Korea among the, the rest of Asians, are relatively positively inclined towards greater globalization and trade. The American backlash on protectionism uh, should not have surprised us had we unpacked these uh, survey data earlier. American people in general, only 20% of them think that trade creates jobs for them. Only 17% of them think it increases wages. In contrast, the number for South Korea, the number for Asia generally are much higher. Mm. People here believe that trade is a good thing. Having said that, however, there's no way we can rule out that the protectionist backlash might not emerge. For one thing, a lot of Asia has seen trade that has been relatively controlled. We have, throughout Asia, we've been able to protect certain particularly sensitive sectors, and we've been able to do it gradually. The danger is in the coming decades of greater globalization, if we do get to have it, we'll see a change in that, uh, in that degree to which we've been able to, to safeguard special sectors in Asia. Asia will no longer be 
as much an emerging economy and infant industry argument will no longer apply as much. So there is a danger, but um, overall, for the time being, it doesn't seem overly likely. Well, I mean, just to hone in in this country a little bit here, um, we're among those in the world set to hold a presidential election this year. No doubt we will be mm. presented with a stream of populist policies to cope with um, household debt, low domestic demand, uh, big businesses perhaps being overshadowing. Uh, but some analysts looking and don't think we're doing too badly. It sounds like you're pretty no. optimistic about our future. Uh, what, what's your yeah, view? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that you know, some of these uh, factors they refer to, important that they are, are short-term and cyclical. They are things that through, uh, through appropriate government policy we can get past. The longer-term fundamental factors are the ones that are much more important and harder to deal with. And on these long-term factors, South Korea is, is particularly well-placed. South Korea has spent decades developing an education and a technology infrastructure, a particular brand of creativity and innovativeness in its high-definition TV and its cars and its smartphones. And it is those longer-term fundamental factors that will carry us through. I think Korea is, is, South Korea is very well-placed on that front, as yeah. I hope a lot of the rest of Asia is coming to as well. Well, let's talk about that as well, because... The the gap between Asian nations also appears to be closing. Just to put a stat behind that, the income gap between emerging economies and the G7 stood at 70% during the 1990s, and according to IMF data, will disappear by 2020. That, yes. uh, in a number of ways, transforms the trade picture as well. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as you and I were discussing a minute ago, you know, Asia will no longer have recourse to the idea that infant industries need to be protected. Everything is fair game. That will do a number of things. One is Asia will be forced to up its game. And I think South Korea is well placed on that. It has already spent decades doing that. But the rest of Asia will have to try and catch up. Um, but I think all of that is, is a, it's a force for the good. The other, um, the other implication of this catch-up on the emerging economies is that that will be a force for change in the governance of international trade relations. And the, the perception that the, the trade structure that we've got now is biased towards the advanced economies will no longer be something that is sustainable. Mm. So the emerging economies will have a greater political voice and that will be uh, a, a turn for the good. But still... We obviously can't get away from our apparent reliance on both China and the United States for now. Yes. Um, yes. Is it a wise strategy just to try to skirt the balance between these two right now at a time when politically we seem to be forced to make a choice? Um, yeah. And, of course, also with the benefit of new trade partners emerging all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, historically, what you're referring to is, is something like a, a trade-off, a dilemma between a security umbrella on the one hand from the United States and economic exchange on the other hand from China and the other Asian economies around us. A, a dilemma between protection on the one hand and prosperity on the other. And this is a dilemma that continues to emerge, not least with the THAAD uh, issues in, in South Korea with the American uh, nuclear detection snooping devices that are being deployed 
uh, in South Korea. I think that this will be a dilemma that continues to plague all of Asia. Uh, Trump is changing the parameters on that equation by an insistence and a rhetoric on protectionism and isolationism. He's driving a lot more of Asia towards the view that it is economics and prosperity trade with China, good relations with China, that will drive the future of Asia. And that equation will continue to change and we'll have to, to monitor how Trump and his team take things forward. But Trump's protectionism, Trump's tendencies towards isolationism will drive a lot more of Asia even more strongly towards a circle of economic prosperity, if you want to call it that, geopolitical mm. influence, if you think of it that way, surrounding China. Professor Kwan, we've got to leave it there. I'm glad we got to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today. Likewise. Thank you very much. Professor Danny Kwan from the National University of Singapore.